This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 444. I think if you really want to be in real estate and make it work, and you're showing up every single day with, like we're talking about persistent, consistent action, it is something is going to happen. So I think the main thing that separates people, yeah, there's, there's mindsets behind that. There's tangible things you can do. But if you're in the game long enough, whether you're an agent or you're trying to flip or do development or you're doing buy and hold stuff, you, something is going to happen. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brendan Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast here in the Sea Shed, not She Shed. Somebody asked me the other day, why did you call it a She Shed? It's a Sea Shed with my buddy, Mr. David Green. David Green, what's up, man? What's going on? We got some magic today coming out of said shed. We do have some magic out of said shed today. Uh, today today's show is phenomenal. We interviewed a guest named Cole Rudd. Rude. Let me say that again. Shoot, I messed it up. <laughs> no, leave it like that. Oh, man. It'll make the, the it outro make, make the more outro, sense. It will make the outro make more sense. All right. Well, Cole Rude is our guest today here in the Sea Shed. And he is a good friend of mine, a phenomenal real estate investor. And 20, 22, 23, 25, 27, 22. The kid's like 22. He is killing it in his real estate business. So you guys are gonna love that. You're gonna learn about all the mindset stuff on how he does it, but equally importantly, the tactical, like how he does it. What are the things he's doing? What does he say on the phone? How does he talk to sellers? What works, what doesn't work? Where he gets his list from? All that stuff to unpacks all that today. So. It's pretty awesome. But before we get to that, let's get to today's quick tip. Here is my quick tip for everyone today. Sometimes on these shows, we talk about terms that you might not know. For example, today's show, we talk a lot about wholesaling. You might be like, what's wholesaling? I don't know what that is. And then like, just not look it up. So here's a very simple quick tip. If you go to Bigger Pockets, there's a little magnifying glass at the top. You go up there and you click on it and then you type in any real estate term whatsoever. And then it hit enter and you will like get like, it's basically our search result is categorized by like forum, blog, podcast, webinar, blah, 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 people, companies. And so you can like really dig, dig in on any topic. So don't let like, I don't understand what that is. Stop you. And by the way, wholesaling is basically where you find good deals. And then you, instead of doing the work yourself, you find somebody else who wants that good deal. And you make kind of a fee for kind of being the middleman. That's kind of a, probably a, not a great explanation, but that give you the idea is you're basically making money without actually having to do the flip. You're finding the deal. You're getting paid to find deals. And there are Ways to do it that are that work in every state. There's ways that don't, don't work in every state. There's legal ways, illegal ways. So make sure if you're going to do wholesaling, you know, do your homework. But anyway, the quick tip is is to use bigger pockets to learn stuff. It's really good. Yeah, um, Cole's 22 going on 52. Yeah. So in today's show, we cover how to start a business, how to get out of working in the business to working on your business, basically converting everything into different steps that you can manage people. We talk about adding different streams of income to something that you're already doing well. And probably most importantly, the mindset behind how successful people operate, which as today's guest shows, they work even at a young age. Yeah, yeah, the, the, it, such a good show. So you guys are gonna love it. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. All right. I think that's it. I think it's time to uh, start our interview that we just did here live in Maui in the sea shed with Cole. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Cole, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, man. Good to have you in the shed. Thanks for me, having me on, man. It's good to be in person out in Maui. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the wide world of real estate investing. Actually, wait, before you do that, how old are you? I'm 22 and three quarters. <laughs> turning 23 in May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's a very young age and, and give us a quick, before you got how, in, how you got into real estate, give us a quick, like understanding. What do you do? Like, what's your thing right now? Like, like set some, like, I guess I want to set the table. Cause I want people to know, like, like what you have right now, what kind of what your business looks like. And then we'll go into how you got into that. So how in depth do you want yeah. me to go there? Uh, just give us an, a broad overview of your current business. So broad overview right now, we have an off-market direct-to-seller company in uh, Renton, Washington. So we have an office, 2,000 square feet, sales managers, guys, uh, a whole team. And right now we're doing 90% wholesale. So direct-to-seller selling those deals to other investors and then 10% flips. So we have three flips going on right now. Um, so transitioning into that slowly, um, but still primarily wholesale. 
Okay. And then tell us approximately like how much volume in a year do you do? Like in the last year, like what have you, what have you done? Like what kind of like revenue yeah, numbers yeah. you see? So like in, in the past year, um, we do about six to eight transactions a month in the Seattle area. Wow. So before that we were in like four different states. So that number was higher, but right now we're back down to six to eight and just comfy in uh, the three main counties around Seattle. Yeah. Wow. So whatever that comes out to like 70, 80 ish deals here. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's crazy. I did like, I think three wholesales once in a, in a five-year period. And that was, I, I was impressed with myself. <laughs> so let's go into how you got started. How'd you get into real estate? I mean, you're a young guy with a business yeah. that most people would be jealous of, you know, jealous of and wanting. So how'd you get? Yeah. Into so, uh, growing up, uh, I grew up in a real estate family. So my, my great grandma started a, a brokerage called Rude Realty, which is the, one of the first brokerages Rude? in all of Seattle. Like R-U-D-E? R-U-U-D. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Okay. R-U-D-E. I thought it was Rudd. No. Nope, I've been pronouncing nope. your name wrong no, for like, Rude. we've hung out a number yeah, of times. Yeah. We did we just, play poker together. Yeah, 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 and I, I am one night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I called you Rudd. A lot of times, I just let it slide. It's just, even <laughs> even when I tell people, the next time it's back to Rudd. So. He pronounces yeah. a lot of words wrong. Yeah. Don't feel bad. Yeah. Rough instead of roof. Magazine instead. I don't of produce magazine. anything wrong. Shut up. Now we accent now. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, so she was kind of the she launched my whole family into real estate. So then my grandparents they did a lot of commercial stuff in Seattle. They owned a bunch of buildings. Um, she was an agent. And then my mom got in the business. She became an agent um, and my brother followed her. So growing up, um, anytime I wanted to make money or be involved at all, I was, you know, going with her to open houses, putting signs out for the open houses. Mm. I was a staging, just got a staging company on the side. So I was moving furniture around. So I was always, always around the business in some way. So transitioning to when I actually wanted to make, make money, uh, naturally I got my real estate license yeah. at, uh, at 18, 19, when I, uh, left school after a semester. And uh, I absolutely hated, hated, hated or being a residential real estate agent. Switched brokerages three times because, of course, it was the brokerage that was the problem. Oh, it, it was not course, me. Of course. I showed up to every sales meeting. That was everyone else's yeah, fault. Yeah. It was not my fault. Showed up to every sales meeting. <laughs> I sat on Facebook a couple hours a day, scrolled, you know, through a th- few posts how they were cold called my sphere, which is at 18 or 19. Yeah. They tell you to cold call your sphere. It's like. <laughs> All your call friends. So, yeah, so you're graduating high school soon, huh? How's that? How's that looking? <laughs> you want to buy a house? <laughs> yeah. So it was brutal. I mean, uh, it was a. Uh, I was making like a couple hundred bucks a month just doing like showings for other agents. Yeah. And then the third brokerage I moved to was a, an off-market company where they were doing every Tuesday night they'd bring a bunch of investors in and they would dr- they would show them what was going to be coming to auction that week and they'd pretty much then they'd go to the auction ah. um that's how they're running their company so i learned that side of the business and how they were creating their own inventory and i'm like that seems like something i can get behind cuz people don't care what my age is then yeah. at 18 19 20 rather than in seattle selling a million dollar house they're like yeah something's going on here so that's when i learned it and then a couple nights later uh, i was like when i learned about wholesaling me and a buddy were at uh, applebees so my origin story kind of half, started at half price appetizers. We, we shared half price so appetizers, good. wings. It was it's how I survived college. <laughs> <It's the place laughs> that, was, that was it right there. Uh, and uh, we were on Instagram, and this, these other two young guys in the area had posted this like forty thousand dollar check on their Instagram. Mm. And so I was like, "What are these guys doing? If they can do it, we can do it." Kind of thing. So the next, literally the next day, he came to my um, to my parents' house because I was living with my parents at the time, and up in there, pretty much their attic. We started cold calling, mm. and then for the next three months before we got a deal, we were. Just sitting up in that room, cold calling every single day. That's that's cool. Yeah. What? Why did I guess why cold call? Like why is that the first? Now, most people don't jump to cold calling as the yeah. first thing. Usually they're like, "Well, I'm going to go out and drive got, or something." Like yeah, that. so we did that. So okay. we actually drove around like the most expensive neighborhoods of 
Bellevue and Seattle, like three to $6 million homes. We're mm-hmm. like, we're driving for dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, cause I, I don't know. I always want to feel like I'm doing something. Yep. So I had no idea what I was doing, but I just was like, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. So we were at the same tri- time driving for dollars and going to all the meetups. You know, I was Facebook messaging, you know, all the guys in the area, which yeah. what you do is so asking them to go to coffee. Yep. <laughs> normal, normal process. Um, and then landed on cold calling because I don't know, I just felt we were getting the most traction on that out of anything. Yeah. That's cool. Let's pull a couple things out of your story here that we can highlight for listeners and then we'll move on to the next piece. First thing, very impressive. You realize early on, this is not what I want. This does not match up with where my passion is and what my identity is. You didn't force that square peg through the round hole like we were talking Mm -hmm. about that Rosie was doing the other day. You you adapted. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't like how this feels. This is not my identity. I'm moving on, which pushed you into cold calling. And I'm going to assume that was because your age group was not in a point that could help you get to the goals you wanted to get to. So calling 18, 19 year olds in your sphere, looking for people to buy or sell a house was an uphill battle, but cold calling, you're calling the people that, that can do what you want to do. And I just want to highlight this story you're about to tell us, which is incredible started because instead of saying, I guess I can't sell houses. I'm only 19 years old. What am I going to (laughs) do? You said, well, what can I do? Which led to this awesome story that everybody else, you know, can follow in that same path if they take that same approach. Yeah. Backtracking a little bit on that point. uh, I think that came from, I grew up uh, a basketball player. So I remember I was in seventh grade. I came home one day. I love it, man. I came home. I come home one day. (laughs) I just got got the feels. (laughs) I came uh, home one day from seventh grade from, from middle school. And I was like, I want to be the best basketball player. Uh-huh. I want to play college basketball. And my parents didn't give me one of the like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. You're really good. It might happen. It was like, okay, you want, I'll, we'll have a trainer show up here tomorrow mm-hmm. to pick you up. And they did. And the next five, six years, I sh- every single day I was working out and I got a chance to play in college. I didn't actually play in college, but mm-hmm. got a chance. So that was so ingrained in me uh, to as long as I show up and put one foot in front of the other and do something every single day, something's going to come out of it. So even though the residential stuff wasn't working for me, I knew it was just so ingrained in me at that point that if I show up the next day, mm-hmm. try something else, eventually something is going to shake. I'm going to meet a person. I'm going to go to the right event. I'm going to, there's going to be one seller that wants to help me out. Um, and, and it happened. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the cold calling was just a, a piece there, but it was really the mindset behind that that I think it was, it was the biggest key to not just, okay, real estate's not for me, moving on. Yeah, I tell, I have a very similar story where basketball literally created the foundation of, I can. Yep. I, I didn't grow up believing that I could do anything. Basketball was the first thing in my life that I worked at and got better. And I could, I saw the relationship between action and working and the result that I wanted. And just like you, I got super close. I actually didn't play in college. I broke my ankle and I was getting ready to go. Mm-hmm play there. I actually am glad that happened because I think that created a fuel that I used to do all the other stuff Mm -hmm. that I did. But I wish everyone else could have an experience like that Mm -hmm. where you just see trying to take it all out in one shot is why people get discouraged. But just this understanding that if I just keep moving that ball forward, if I keep putting myself in the right situation, that turnover is coming my way. I'm going to be the one leading the fast break. I'm going to get better. So at 22 years old, the fact that you figure that out young, I mean, credit to your parents and credit to you for and the funny part is like, I wasn't that good for most of the time. Like my freshman year of high school, I was like on the C team, wasn't that great, but I was still like, I'm just, every day I was working out every single day, like crazy three, four or five hours a day. I wasn't going to dance. Like I wasn't doing anything besides playing basketball. Uh, sophomore year wasn't that great. Junior year was on varsity. Finally, wasn't that great. Then senior year, uh, mm. MVP and everything it just all clicked one year. So I knew, and that's kind of how my real estate journey has been too. It kind of all, I had a few years of struggle and then it kind of all came together. Well, what you, what you did is you went 
like you went all in on something, right? Yeah. Versus like you went all in on basketball and you went all in on real estate. And it just shows what happens when somebody focuses and like says, and like we kind of laughed about earlier, you're driving for dollars in like these multi-million dollar neighborhoods that you're probably not going to buy anything. Like, but it doesn't matter. You were, you were doing something and you tried something else and you were doing stuff and trying to, you know, like we talk a lot about focus here on the podcast, you know, David and I will talk a ton about like how you need to like pick your bridge. But in the beginning, like you probably don't know what your bridge is. Like a lot of people have no idea what bridge is going to get them to success Island. So by just like trying this and trying this and you're like, oh, I didn't like the agent things. So I'm going to try this thing. And oh, I didn't like to drive for definitely really working. Oh, cold calling is working good. That's when you lean in and you go to that, that bridge so hard. Just like, you know, I, I tried basketball then I, I leaned into it and I just, I kept going. That's awesome. Yeah. And like what you were saying, I think what that developed in me is like, I didn't really care about the how with stuff like mm-hmm. basketball. I don't know how I was going to score in a game or how it was all going to shake out. Um, so the same thing in real estate, whether it's cold calling, whatever's working, it's not worrying about the how it's just picking a direction to go in and showing up every single day. Yeah. And the how usually, like if I look back at my life the past three years to sitting here right now, how does not make sense. <laughs> it does not make sense. So, well, you also are hitting on a point, Brandon, and I have been talking about a lot, which is the pivot. Yeah. Okay. You, you did everything you had, you threw it into basketball, you had a goal, you wanted to play in college. It didn't happen, but you just shifted all that momentum into real estate, which yeah. is why now you're crushing it. Yeah, 22 years old. This is incredibly impressive what you put together. That was largely because this momentum you built, your work ethic, your belief system, the habits you had were formed from basketball. They translated pretty well mm-hmm. in a business where it doesn't matter if you're not tall enough or fast enough or strong enough. I always tell people in business, your athleticism is your mind. Yeah. Your talent mm-hmm. is your is your mind. And all of us have complete control over how that works out. Like we just talked with Jim Quick yesterday, mm-hmm. explaining like how to program your mind like your body. So as people are listening, I just want them to hear that's the key. You start, you build momentum. And if it doesn't go the way you wanted, you shift that momentum into something else, but you don't completely, you don't wait until you know exactly what you want to do before you ever start moving. So yeah. thanks for that little segue in background. Yeah. Let's, let's kind of get into where you took it after you, um, cold called. Yeah. The cold calling business. Yeah. So like we were cold calling every single day for three months. And finally our first deal didn't even come from that though. So, uh, an agent brought us this opportunity because that we were, you know, I was letting people know what I was doing. And it was this crazy, I've never done a deal like this. It was in Seattle and uh, Sunset Hill, Ballard area, which is, you don't do a ton of wholesale deals there. And the deal was brought to us like 800,000 purchase price. And the one buyer we had actually met that we knew was buying, that we had a good relationship with, we sold them on this like, hey man, if you build up two stories and you build a bridge over to an ADU on top of the garage, like might might be something here. And he bought it from us. And that, that first check was 105 grand. No so way. First deal ever was 105 grand. Yeah. <laughs> 105 yeah. on the yeah. first deal. That's yeah. And we had, to, we had to pay a few people out, but we took home a good sure. chunk of that. And that was like a listed, like an MLS no, 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 property no, no. or what it was, was off market. Okay. So yeah. the agent found it off market, brought it to you. Is that yeah. how that, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And uh, so how my mind works is I kind of, uh, I, my mind immediately went to, I don't know why I went to crap. Yeah. I have this check, but what if I don't do another deal? Mm, yeah. So, so yeah. right away I was like, how can I turn this thing into a repeatable model where we can keep doing deals? Um, so we, in other words, how do you make, how do you make a business out of this versus like, I got to check. Exactly. Which is like, I, and, I, and I don't know why my mind mental change there. My mind went right to there. Yeah. That's awesome. And so we didn't spend any of that money, like none of it. I didn't get <laughs> car at the time, clothes, nothing stayed in my parents' house. And, uh, we next day we were cold calling again. And then it was actually another three months until we got the next deal from cold calling or it was our first oh. cold calling deal. So six months of cold calling before we get actual cold call deal. And then from there hired another, uh, got another person to cold call, another person to cold call. When I was 19, after we were three deals in, we signed a, a three year personally guaranteed lease on an office and, oh. uh, and rent in just 
went all in. Yeah, went all in. And then we had to figure it out at that point because we had some overhead. So we started filling that office with uh, just buddies that wanted to try out real estate and do sales. And we had like seven or eight guys in there eventually. We're doing random markets. We're doing deals in Spokane, St. Louis, Fresno, California, Sacramento, California, all over Washington. Weren't making a ton of money at the time because we weren't sure. tracking anything. It was, it was you were getting a, you weren't getting one hundred and five thousand dollars wholesale fees every other day. We get no, 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 no. <laughs> Most of them were twenty, twenty five. We'd get up sixty here and there, but okay. with eight people in an office, it was just it was chaos. I learned so yeah. much that that this first year after that, but it was absolute chaos. You mind if I jump this and take it a different direction than we normally do? Yeah. We we always cover the big picture stuff, like yeah. how you did it, which we want to keep doing. Yeah. I want to dive in for a second and have you talk a little bit about how you developed your cold call skills. Yep. I'm. Sh- it's not just a matter of, I make a hundred phone calls, I'm gonna get X mm-hmm. amount, right? It, sh- it averages into that, but it's just like, if I shoot a hundred shots, if you suck at shooting, you're not making yeah. as many, right? Like yeah. part of success is getting better at shooting because you shoot so much. So for people that want a cold call, what advice can you give that you learned about how to do it better, how to build rapport, how to recognize uh, motivation, that type of stuff? Yeah, I think the tactical stuff with rapport and motivation is huge, but I think the before you get into that, it's sticking with it yeah. for a long enough time for it to, to pan out. To mm-hmm. get good at it. Because yeah. no matter how good you, you are, at rapport, it. no matter if you have the best script, best rapport, best everything, if you only do it for two months and you're like, oh, I'm going to go to the next shiny, cool marketing thing that I heard on a podcast, yep. uh, it's not going to work. Uh, so first and foremost, stick with it. But then, yeah, I mean, for us, it's really just having quality conversations. So many, like we train our cold callers when they get on the phone with someone, when I was cold calling to really do the best they can to adapt to that culture and find out what the real reason those people are selling is. Um, Cause a lot of cold call centers and people who are cold calling to start, they don't care about the other person on the other end of the phone. It's just, that's a check. It's a dollar sign, not a person. Um, so they skip over a lot of deals that are there. Most people aren't going to come out and say, Hey, uh, you know, my dad passed away. I just inherited the house or whatever the situation may be. So really not being in a rush to uh, just get a quick number and move on. We really take the time to get to know every, we try to get to know every single person. It's harder at scale. Uh, but especially starting out, we really wanted to get to know every single person we were talking to mm-hmm. without, you know, spending 30 minutes and wasting all of our time. Yeah. So what have you found has worked? I want to, I want to dive into cold calling a little bit. Like, yeah. What, what works, what doesn't work? Like, how has it changed like, like over the last couple of years or has it? Because like, yeah, like, like David said, it's not just the numbers game. You make a hundred phone calls, you're going to get it. There's things that you're doing right now that are better. So first, why don't we start with the, who are you calling? Let, let's start there. Yeah. So right now. I'll, I'll kind of put that in two answers sure. because versus like where we are now versus yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah so right now we call pretty much everyone okay that um and obviously pick up the phone book and just start dialing <laughs> pretty, no pretty pretty much yeah we buy the whole county okay and we uh we call pretty much everyone and you look for people like have equity you buy a list of like equity or do you right now for how many leads we need right now we yeah. don't okay uh, you just call we, yeah like, we just call yeah but when we're getting started absolutely we go we niche down into okay. you know absentee list and equity and you know higher equity longer ownership all that kind of stuff. But the, I think the biggest thing with cold calling is uh, it's a separate business than your real estate business. Yeah. Like whether you're doing it yourself or you're having someone do it for you, it's a whole nother business. Mm-hmm. You have to track KPIs on that business. You have to look under the hood all the time, making sure people are performing, that they're being managed. Otherwise you're gonna be throwing money in a garbage can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So people look at it as just, oh no, that's just my marketing. But no, it's really, it's a marketing business, especially if you're wholesaling or flipping, going direct to seller. Your marketing side of your business is a business. Yeah, and your acquisitions, yeah. dispositions, your acquisitions is a business, it's a sales team mm-hmm. and your dispositions is a business in itself with networking and building a buyer's list. So, you know, that's such a good point to highlight when Brandon and I give webinars for bigger pockets, we have to talk about the lapse funnel, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, four steps to getting something in contract. You've got leads 
then you analyze them, then you pursue them, then you find success. Those first three steps, the L, the A, and the P, actually involve completely different skill sets, completely different resources. You should look at each of those like they're a different business. How do I generate leads? Who analyzes them and how do they do it? And then what's our position when we're pursuing it? Mm. When someone looks at this like it's a job and they treat everything the same, they typically aren't going to be nearly as successful. I really like that you're highlighting You really want to take this whole process, pick out the parts either that you're the best at that you want to learn or that you're the worst at that you want to leverage off. Find other people that are better at doing those things and view it from that perspective. Is that similar to what you found as you're running your company? Absolutely. Yeah. The biggest growth for us came when we, when we really sectioned off every piece of our company Mm -hmm. and put a really good leader in charge of Mm -hmm. every single thing. And it was hard to let go of that because I've naturally, I feel like I can do everything better than everyone else. So if it was up to me, I'd still be cold calling and selling stuff and selling to our buyers. And so putting like, we have a, we have a manager of our cold callers. Who's really, really, we give him, we trust the guy. We love him. That's his section of the company. And yeah, from from a bird's eye view, I'm always looking at numbers on that section. But besides that, I don't get involved too much as long as we're meeting our numbers. Sales team. We have a a sales manager who's my partner in the business, uh, Mike, and that's his thing. It's like his baby, that section of the company. And then I'm on the, the dispositions system side and that when, when we got when we were scrambled and everyone's kind of doing everything it was, mm-hmm. it was chaos weren't making money but when i stepped out i said okay how can i make everything kind of just funnel up to me at a bird's eye overview but we have someone who cares about the business in charge of every little piece that's when we really took off brendan i'm curious did you have a similar experience with open door capital splitting things up like yeah. that yeah i mean exactly i feel like that's everything that you just explained in the last five minutes i want people to rewind this because that like that last five minutes might be the most important five minutes of any podcast we've ever done. And what I mean by that is like for people who want to scale, like that, that is the key to scaling is like you run your business like a business, you have your KPIs, you know what each person's doing. And even if it's at the beginning, it could be all you think like this is my, now I'm an acquisitions person. Now I'm on disposition, like yep. think of business. And then you can put people in there as you need to. And the great thing about real estate, especially things like wholesaling and flipping is that you make money back pretty quickly so that you can afford to hire people to this because like the business generates the money for these people. So in other words, like you became a a leader, like a, a word that I use a lot. And we talked about this with my coach, Jason Drees, when he was on the podcast back a few months ago, is like, I had to use the word general in my head. Like I'm a general in a, in a war. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a cadet anymore. I'm not a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. I'm not down on the battlefield most of the time, unless like they overrun the gates. They're now in like my compound. Fine. I'm going to grab a gun. I'm going to go out there and shoot. Just like you, you look at the numbers at a high level. And if there was a problem with your in, like calls coming in, I guarantee you jump in there and start yeah. figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a hard, it's a hard balance to know when to jump in and when not to, because uh-huh. when I see, I see stuff every day that happens, I'm like, oh, I want to, I can, yeah. that I, can <laughs> fix, I can fix that right now. Yes. Uh, when, when we interviewed Jocko on the podcast and in his book, Extreme Ownership, he talked about this lesson he learned where he was on a team of operators that were, and they were infiltrating like a boat or something. Mm-hmm. And they were all looking down the scope. So their guns looking for threats, which is what every one of us does when we're scared. We, we focus on what can hurt us. It makes sense. It's a survival technique, right? Yes, 100%. So they all get off the boat. They're all looking down their scopes. They're looking for the enemy. It was a training exercise. And he realized that no one knew how to direct any of the people where to go. Because when you're just looking for a threat, you don't understand the big picture or how to maneuver yourself to be in a better position to even address that threat. And he took his eyes off of the scope. He took a couple steps backwards. So now he can see all the troops that are on the field they're looking for the threats. He's trusting them. And he recognized, oh, we're going the wrong way. We need half of you to go this way, half. And he makes the call. Everyone moves into it. And it was a turning point in his life where he understood when you are doing the job, you can't do what he recognized, which was lead 
the people. And what you're describing is every leader's problem is that they see somebody miss a shot and they go, oh, I better be the one to get in there and get behind the gun, right? We can't have those misses. And then you lose having an entire platoon of people that you're moving into another position. So I think you're right. There's that art of, can the business survive if we're fumbling the ball this often as people are learning? Do I have to get in there and do it? But the ultimate goal is to get yourself in the position of general, just like Brandon said, because you see how all the pieces fit. You recognize the resources. Maybe I got to take this person out of dispositions and put him into acquisitions because he'll be better there. And for everyone who's going through that same struggle, it's normal. You're not bipolar. This is what all of us have (laughs) have to go through. It's really hard, but the longer you do it and the more steps of faith you take, it does get easier. Yeah, I think a good another way to summarize that is like, uh, I heard it one time, it's as as you get spread more and more thin, would you rather have you at 40, 50, 60, 70% doing a task or because you're so spread thin versus someone at 80%. Mm -hmm. They might not be able to do it as good as you. That's the only thing you're doing, but they're going to do it. I think I actually heard that at the mastermind for the first time someone said that. And that finally clicked because I was not doing any of this stuff then. I was like doing everything. That's the first time I clicked and we did the vivid vision. I kind of saw my business from a bird's eye overview for the first time. And then it rolls into a whole nother like that journey to be able to actually do that. That's a whole nother, another piece. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, what what uh, what Cole's talking about here is we did a um, mastermind thing. Uh, we called it the Maui Mastermind. Yeah. Tarl and I led it about a year and a half ago now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like everybody in that group is still like close with each other and friends. It was it was a great, crazy uh, good time. I've done a deal with, or done a business transaction with like probably 80% of the people <laughs> from that. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah so it's just a good indication. I don't want to dive into that too deep here, but just like if you're not getting together, people are not getting together with people in there in their world, you know, like in, in the real estate world, in your, whether it's in your area or whether you go to a, go somewhere, go to a conference. And I know things have been difficult for the last year here, but just as you know, we get back in the world again, just remember there's such value in that networking and connecting deeply with people. Um, it was just phenomenal. So anyway, all right. So I want to go back to cold calling a little bit more here and let's talk when you're calling somebody, what do you say? Like, what's, what's the first, like you got the list. Let's say you, you're going to call, let's say they're just starting out, right? Yeah. Let's go, let's go there. Somebody's listening to this podcast right now. They've never done podcasts. They've never done cold calling. What should they, what list should they target? Or what would you recommend their first steps for cold calling? Yeah. So if I was just today, you know, yeah. if I was right now starting in real estate and I was going to wanted a deal in the next couple of months from cold calling, I would buy and hire a higher equity absentee list for an area. Explain what that is. So an absentee, like most companies you go online to list source or Adam data, most companies online, they'll give you an absentee filter, which is someone that uh, their mailing address is different than the property address. So yeah. fairly simple. Um, and then you want to, they all have criteria. So you want to, you know, stack uh, equity on top of that. So you don't want to be marking people with 10, 20, 30% equity. You, you might, if you really get seller financing and stuff, but just starting out, wouldn't recommend it. So get a 40 to plus equity list okay. and you get a skip trace and you get phone numbers back. And then you, you want to keep it simple at first, especially as you're learning the business. You don't want to have too high level of conversations the first couple of calls. Because they're going to come out off of that thinking you don't know a ton of stuff. So keep it as simple as you can and uh, leverage other people and real estate agents if questions come up through the process. But the first call should pretty much be, hey, Mr. Seller, um, this is Cole. I always tell people if they're just starting themselves, reference another, say, hey, I work for a local company. Uh, so you don't come off of a, hey, I'm a CEO of a real yeah. estate company. So, <laughs> hey, this is Cole. I work for a local real estate investment company. You know, we just sold, we, we buy and sell properties in this area all the time. We have some money set aside for another one this month. Are you open to talking more about yeah. uh, script. selling that, that your property at blah, blah, blah street? And that, that does two things. It, it's a soft opening and it confirms the information that, yeah, they are John Smith and they do own one, two, three Main Street. 
in Maui. Yeah. <laughs> it's really like, it, I think people probably overcomplicate this a lot. Where, yeah, they're, they're thinking like, oh, I don't I need my exact script. I need to know exactly what words to say in the right order. And like, yeah. yes, you should, you should have a list of things you're trying to get across, right? Yeah. But how important do you think, like, I, I mean, like, I, it being genuine, I think it's such an important thing because mm-hmm. I've been cold called many times before. Yeah. And it's like, I can tell some people are like reading off a script or it, you know, it's just completely impersonal. And other people are just like, Hey, you know, like I got one the other day from a KW, like Keller Williams agency. They want to like, Hey, uh, is this Brandon? I'm like, yeah, it is. I'm like, yeah, Hey, this is a, uh, you know, whatever. I work with Keller Williams down here in Kihei. Uh, we just like, sold a house like two blocks from yours. Uh, got a really good price for it. Just curious if you wanted to sell it all, if you had any interest. And I was like, eh, no, I really like my house right now, but thanks for calling. I was like, I was like, this was such a nice, genuine yep. person. And they probably had a script of some kind, but like she was a, a normal person in a normal conversation. Sure, yeah. I think so much of it is how you position yourself and reference the seller. So if you come in as super like, oh, I got to make 10 more cold calls mm-hmm. today because I heard on the podcast, I'll make a hundred this week. I might get a lead that might turn into yeah. a deal versus sitting down and wanting to have conversations with people. Um, and like, like we're talking about making it complicated. I think it's, it's hard not to do that when you get started out because part of your brain does not want to cold call when yeah. you're getting started out. So you find ways to, oh, this, I got to follow the script. It's so hard to follow or they're going to say no or every, no one's answering. Yeah. So those little things I think are huge to really sit down, take the time, care about who you're talking to. And uh, yeah, use a script, like the kind of what I just went through, use something yep. like that, but you don't have to go 100% off it every time. Yeah. Conversations are going to go where they, where they go. Yeah, I didn't do a, a ton of cold calling ever because I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the phone, uh, but I would like, t- I would send out direct mail and I would take mm-hmm. the phone calls, right? Mm-hmm. And when I did, I had a, I had a list, like I had a piece of paper I kept with me everywhere I went when I was doing this more heavily. Everyone would go and have this piece of paper, a bunch of them in a stack. And it was just like all the questions I need to make sure I got. But it wasn't like a like script, like, Hello, thank you so much for calling me today. It was just like, uh, like, how long have you owned the property? Line. Yeah. And I would just like pull out this piece of paper and I would just like, oh, the next one, I gotta make sure I get that question. Mm-hmm. When did you buy this property? And then I just find a way to like make it natural in that conversation. So I had a script, but it wasn't a script. Like I had a list, but it wasn't a script. Yeah. So that worked. That seemed to work for me. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I would recommend. Have it, have it, have it. It's more, I wouldn't call it a script, a guideline. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Um, an a framework, out, maybe a framework know, of yeah. how to guide a conversation is really yeah. what you're looking for. You're not looking for, uh, you know, word for word. Thing. Yeah. Otherwise, it gets robotic. And would you agree if somebody's new and they're just nervous as heck that <laughs> actually having words they can read is absolutely. a good way to break into it and to get a little yeah. more comfortable? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that and understanding that it's not going, it's going to suck the first few times you do it. <laughs> so, oh yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. so many people are like, uh, like uh-huh. dang it, that was not what I, what I thought it was. But like with anything, uh, like. The first time I surfed and like yeah. last time I was in Maui is like, suck at <laughs> that's it. what I tell people. And it's... then you look around people are like, uh-huh. like, everyone's laughing at me. I suck. I'm on the big surfboard cause I'm not good enough. <laughs> a little surfboard. And like everyone goes through the same thing. The first time I cold called, I like couldn't speak English. Like the oh, same, th- same, same thing. The first time I spoke like on a podcast or I couldn't, couldn't mm-hmm. talk. So it's the same thing. It's gradually and improving and, uh, giving yourself the freedom to that's i think what the secret is if you walk in with low expectations like i use a snowboarding analogy i don't know a human being that ever snowboarded and crushed it the minute they they got on a board (laughs) it doesn't happen they don't want to go back the next time after the first time yeah Yeah. Yeah. that was me it was miserable but what the reason i eventually learned how to do it so so was because i didn't want to waste that first experience of misery and say i got nothing out of it it was so bad i was gonna make sure i learned but if you go in thinking i'm supposed to be good at it and then when you're not you'll think this isn't for me as opposed to, well, everyone sucks at this. Yeah. It's impossible to be good at doing this without some 
some practice. You have to get that feedback. Oh, that worked. That didn't work. When I changed my tone, I got more engagement. Brandon, do you mind if I read your quote that you have behind you? I think this is so good for my the quote, people. Going back here? Yes. Sure. For those that are that struggle with that feeling of like, I don't want to be laughed at because I was on the big surfboard. Mm-hmm. When you compare yourself to the surfers, it is embarrassing that you're on the big surfboard. What about when you compare yourself to the 99% of people that are on the beach watching mm-hmm. and they're never yeah. even got in the ocean, right? Yeah. So this quote was a Teddy Roosevelt, yeah. I believe. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. It's such a beautiful quote. I love that you put it up here. I love thinking that all the time because it, it highlights the big losses that you never tried. It wasn't that you tried and fell off the surfboard or that you didn't get on the good surfboard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people getting started in uh, real estate, other forms of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. they feel like there's no margin for error. We're like, I think the reason that I've scaled and accelerated so quickly because I realized there's infinite margin of error. Like I can make as many oh, mistakes so as good, I want. Man. And what's the consequences? I just get a try. There's no one really keeping score. Mm-hmm. Like what's the, what's the other word? It's a, uh, it's like a spotlight effect. You think everyone's thinking about you all the time, but yeah. everyone's thinking about themselves. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no one cares. Acknowledging yeah. human narcissism yeah. is the best thing you can ever do yeah. for your business. Cause they all care about themselves <laughs> so much more than you. Yeah. So that was the biggest thing for me is real and sports help with that. Realizing that there's infinite upside and it doesn't matter how long it takes me to get there. I can fall and stumble all I want. Okay. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors 
investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means. Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. So this is awesome. So now you've got this company where you've got phone calls and then acquisitions and then dispositions. Let's let's hear a little bit how you've scaled that to what it is mm-hmm. now. Yeah, so it was really, I had a, a lot of uh, advice from people who had been in the business a long time. I didn't listen to any of it. They, they, were, they were all like, that. you know, more checks is not always better. You know, slow down a little bit. I was like, no, I'm going to keep hiring. We're going to go to every market in the world. We're going to wholesale from Washington to Australia. And uh, brought a, we had 10, 12 guys in the office and crazy overhead. We were spending like 40 to 60 grand a month in marketing at one point um, across cold calling and mail and everything. And uh, we got to the point where I had a bad burnout a year and a half ago because mm-hmm. I was like, I realized like, I should just go, if I'm going to do all this work to bring home and I'm bringing home, I might as well just go get a job. And I, at that point I clicked. I'm like, this is what everyone's been telling mm-hmm. me. I just went to a mastermind and I was told this stuff and it's happening and uh so from there i'm like okay we're gonna redo this we're gonna we're gonna keep our fundamentals and our foundation but build it up the right way because i always like the quote i forget who it is it was talking about you can't build anything good on an unstable foundation so mm-hmm. our foundation we I had to go back down to the ground yep. patch holes pretty much before i built back up um and that looked like uh, pretty much clearing house so we got all the way down to me and my new business partner because me and my other business partner had separated so we got back down to two people and we were still doing deals and making it happen and then the right way, putting KPIs in place, making sure that we were actually making home money at the end of the month and then somewhat enjoying what we were doing. We started putting the pieces back together really, really slowly and carefully. So that now what our operation looks like now is we have a sales manager, we have a marketing management team, we have me, I still run dispositions just because I love doing it and I like having a challenge, something to wake up and do, and then a transactions manager. So it's really simplified. Like what I was talking about before, we have everything segmented. Versus yeah, before, you got your lieutenants in place. Yes, versus before yeah. it was... 12 guys in an office running. It was like a frat house. Of, yeah. It was a real estate frat house is what it was. We literally had, we had something called Wine Wednesday where people would bring bottles of wine to them on Wednesday mornings. And it was a mess. But through that, learned in my, my life is like, it's like, Dane. I'm glad I went through that because I know like I'm never going that direction. Again. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's the yeah. pivot, right? Yeah. You 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 would never would have got to the point where you recognize I need to rebuild if you wouldn't have started building. Yeah. And I, it's very similar for me. 2020 was that year for me where I had to go back and I had to say, okay, the way I'm doing this is not going to get me where I want. It will get me forward, but not at the pace or the life that I want to have. Can you share a little bit about what that experience was like? Because it takes some faith when you step oh, yeah. away from knowing I can take the shot to I got to trust other people to you're probably making less money when you stop pushing forward and go back to rebuild it so that you can make more money later. And that's always scary because you don't know if it's going to work. I think what did it for me is I was seeing so many like my personal problems become business problems. Like the stuff I was having in my business was when I sat back and reflected, it was the same problems I was having mm. in my personal life with, you know, not trusting people, not letting anyone let go of anything or have hard, hard conversations. Mm -hmm. um, so I realized that I can fix this both places at the same time. So it really came with just, absolute trust and willing to accept the consequences of that and learn from it. So before my previous partnership, we'd be micromanaging each other. Like, Hey, you left the office at three fifty today. I was here till five 30, all that kind of stuff. Versus now it's you, he, he's responsible. He was responsible for, we talk and we, we check in with each other, but it's that absolute almost not blind trust. Cause we have stuff, KPIs we look at and stuff, but trust enough where I think you have my best interest. I have your best interest. And then learning from mistakes through that, that process. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Do you have a system in place for having those difficult conversations? So we talk once a week, like we have a scheduled time for an hour. We sit down and we just, everything that's on our mind. Cause I think the biggest thing that's uh, hurt me in the past is business, business partnerships is we letting stuff brew underneath yes. the surface for weeks and months where like little things. <clears throat> and I was doing the same thing in my personal life with family and friends. And so instead of that, putting in, guidelines in place to, Hey, when something comes up, let's talk about it on Monday morning, mm -hmm. whatever it is so that it doesn't brew. And, mm -hmm. and I found that when I'm getting all that stuff out, I'm so much more productive too. Can I, can I actually ask David a question here? Like David, you do something. Cause I, on that point, it's so good. Like not letting stuff brew and doing it. Now, David, you do something I haven't, I've never known anybody else do is you have a performance coach every single week, meet with your real estate team. Can you just like, like that's right. Right. And you're like, yeah. And that's what's so impressive about, about the fact you figured this out at 22. I'm a little jealous because at, <laughs> at 22, I was nowhere close to being able to do any of this. But what we realize is those difficult conversations have to happen. Otherwise, resentment forms. And we were basically like being poisoned by different people on the team having resentment for different mm -hmm. reasons. Not only do they have to happen, you have to have like a GPS check-in, right? Like you, you could be going the wrong way. And if you don't meet with everybody, that's when you get signal again and your GPS says, oh, you missed that turn. You got to go back around. You can go six months the wrong direction if you don't ever have these check-ins. So we sort of combined it all together where once a week, my real estate team, my mortgage team, and my operations team, I do three of these meetings, all get on a Zoom call with our performance coach, mm -hmm. who's basically there He's a psychologist to mediate that so that it doesn't get out of hand. People yeah. don't take dinner, don't get nasty. They can't take it personal. It's kind of like a relationship counselor for the business. Like if, if you and Heather go to a relationship counselor to discuss your marriage, <laughs> you're not screaming at each other oh, and yeah. bringing up hurtful things when there's a third party right there that's going to call you out on it. And that has been tremendous. It is expensive. That's what everyone says is how yeah. could you possibly pay that much money? It's another one of those steps of faith. I know if we meet weekly, we discuss what's the, causing the resentment. We bring it to the surface. So it's not me versus them. It's really everybody on the team is all in agreement. We're committing to this is what we're going to do. Then it will turn into more revenue later. And I think that's part of why we've had so much growth. It's I would never, ever, ever try to run a business without that method. So yeah. it's sort of like, you know, you mentioned your business problems and your personal problems were similar. 
that's what I was about to ask you. Do you have a coach? Cause they're so good with this. I have a lot of, that's, that's another thing that I was, I wanted to talk about is how many people I've surrounded myself with that I would call mentors and coaches in some way. That's been the biggest reason that I am where I am. Like, and, and a lot of the hardest thing about that, I, I didn't hire a coach at first. Like when I get, got into real estate, I didn't have a performance coach or I didn't have a business coach, but I did have people in real estate that have been around for a while that I had added enough value to where it developed into a friendship and a, and a mentorship mm -hmm. where I could pretty much take any situation and call them any time of day and say, here's what's going on. Um, and it just accelerated, accelerated me night and day. Now, um, where I'm right now, I do have a, a business coach mm -hmm. and uh, a personal coach that I like three or four coaches that I pay just because I found every time I do that and I commit more money to myself and I grow, I never regret it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, yeah. And that's, that's where I actually learned about that whole meet once a week, get everything off, off from your coach. Honestly. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like a randomly one night where I was like, Oh, I think, I think a weekly meeting. For <laughs> I, can't take, I can't take credit for that. But another thing it's done is we also have amazing ideas that come out of those sessions that we wouldn't have had. Cause when we're laying all of our issues on the table at the same time yep. and seeing all that, um, and we put our, put our brains together, we can plug holes faster and come. It's, it's a pretty cool thing to see. That's cool. So how many, how many hours a week do you work right now? Do you say, Oh man, uh, this week in Maui, <laughs> uh, bad example, probably 10 to 20 active, like focused hours on the computer. Okay. Or, I mean, the rest is phone calls and emails and sure. where I'm needed, but like, cause I, I switched to more, I read the book deep work. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I kind of switched to that model where I sit down in the morning and I give myself you know, my three or five big things, two to three hours. I lock in, try to put my phone away, sit there, knock everything out. Um, and then, cause I was bad when I first got started working just cause I felt good to work and I yeah. felt like I was in motion, but unlearning that and really sitting down getting my work done and then having, <laughs> trying to enjoy my life. And that's another big thing is what do I fill my free time with? It's been a challenge too, but yeah. So yeah. about, I would say 20 to 30 hours a week of. That's cool. And you moved and you moved right to. to yeah. So September kind of mid COVID everything. I was just, I was drained. And uh, so, yeah, I moved to San Diego with a couple of buddies. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. But you're still doing all the work up in the Seattle. Yes. Yeah, so we're still right? at the office. I'm still up there. A good yeah. amount. I try to be, I try to be out there a week or two a month okay. and uh, make sure we're rolling, but it's been awesome. I've learned so much just being away from the business and seeing that's the ultimate letting go of the vine is being yeah. in the state. And uh, so, yeah, I know David, you're doing the same thing right now where you like, you came to Hawaii for like an extended period of time. Yeah. Like you're forcing yourself to figure out how do I make this business a business and not just dependent on myself? Like, what have you learned about that so far? Well, what I learned is that it, my goal is to stay away until something breaks and then look and see why did that break? That. Not to the point that the whole thing could collapse, right? But that's kind of how you figure out where you've been cheating, where you're supposed to be the general, but you're actually in the field a little mm -hmm. bit too much. I love that. When you take yourself out of it and like, let's you know say that you've been putting more houses under contract than you probably should be. Your, your acquisition manager should have stronger skills when it comes to closing. Mm -hmm. But you step in and, and you just do what thing seems to you like the last one little percent, couple phone calls. And then you stop having them and you guys go from like 30% of what you were doing. And you think, holy cow, like how are we missing this much? You now immediately know my acquisition manager needs either more training or more mm -hmm. accountability or more oversight or more skill, something so that they can get up there. A lot of the time, what I found was that when my presence was there, I have somewhat of a strong presence. The agents on my team thought, oh, David will handle it. Mm -hmm. He'll take the yeah. shot. He'll, he'll do it. Yeah. When I walked away, they didn't have the confidence to actually go in there and get it done. They knew what to do. They knew how to do it, but they didn't have the confidence. And I had to step away for them to face that fear. Okay. I got to be the man or the woman. I got to get in here and do this. So like Brandon, what you mentioned was really smart when you're in a business and you want to see what needs to be improved, step away 
see where the water starts coming in. That's where your leak is. Yeah. I couldn't really describe what I've been doing, but that you kind of describe what I've been doing in a kind of an unconscious way of just, yeah, what's been breaking. I fly back up there. I try to put it back, plug the leak, put it back together better or try to, and then uh, fly back to San Diego. It happens again. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to put that. Yeah. Yeah, I I just can't believe you're doing this at 22 years old. I mean, have you been thinking that too, as we're listening to this guy's story? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. It comes with the, like the mentors and coaches. It's it's just the, I love action. Like coming from sports, I just love to be Mm -hmm. in motion action. I love to have something to do every day with like I'm moving forward. I have this thing. I always feel like I have to earn my free time and stuff. So mm-hmm. I just love pushing the ball forward in some way. Well, what, uh, what it just shows to me is like, it shows us if, if you want to be successful, it, like not you, anybody wants to be successful in any way. Like there are a series of things that they can do that are very tangible. Yeah. And you can find that out by talking, like you talk to these people, you talk to Tarl Yarbor, you talk to Elliot Smith. You're like, what are you guys doing? Like you learn from these guys, you attend mastermind meetups, you, you hang, you like, you learn and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna put that into practice. And then it works. So I say this on the show a lot. Like you should work so that success is not a surprise, right? Like nobody with a six pack ever woke up and goes, oh, I got a six pack. What? <laughs> like, like, like nobody does that, right? Like nobody says like, I just ran a triathlon. How did I do like, like, like you know, I, I did the Ironman or the half Ironman right? Like, like, right. last year. Like I, like I was not surprised that I finished and like, I didn't do well. I wasn't surprised I didn't do well. I mean, I didn't do bad, but like I, I did exactly how I thought I would do because I did the level of work that would get me to exactly the level mm-hmm. of spot that I got. And so like, it's not a surprise that you are where you are today at all, because you're like, you, you did exactly what a person should do to be able to get in that spot. Mm-hmm. And so people are listening to this, like, it's, it's really a fairly simple thing. Go find people who are already doing what you're doing or what you, like what you want to do. Find the people who are already doing what you want to do. Ask them like, what is it you do every day? Like what, what's the key there? And then do it. And the great thing is you don't have to ask them. You can listen to podcasts like this. Like everybody listening right now, a couple hundred thousand people can literally go do exactly what you did because you just shared everything that you did to get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's more than that and they can get deeper and, and they get to know you, but like success is not super complicated. Mm-hmm. So one more question I have kind of before, you know, we start moving towards a, the famous four. And I know David, you had one more you wanted to ask too in there, but I'm curious, like, I know you added flipping to your business now. We, you start with wholesaling. I'm wondering, like, why did you do that? Uh, and how has that been? Like, where do you see yourself headed with that? Yeah, so we we started flipping a couple months ago, mainly because we kind of felt like we hit a plateau and wanted to challenge ourselves again. We thought that would help not only create more revenue with flipping, but also help our main business because we service investors who are flipping. So yeah. to get to know that world a little better, we feel like we could package up deals way better on the front end. Um, and then a lot of it was just the challenge of learning something new, uh, building new relationships in that field and having a whole nother, I mean, we want to grow. Yeah. Um, so that felt like a natural thing to grow into. And I know a lot of people do it in reverse to go flipping Oh, flipping so hard. It sucks. That's wholesale. But for us, we feel like we're connected enough. We have a good enough relationship with people where we can make it happen and do it the right way. Um, so big key of that was just wanting the challenge. Yeah. That's cool. I, I love that you said like, you're looking for a little bit more of a challenge there. I I feel like that's such a sign of a, of a strong team is when like, not that you get like bored necessarily of the, what the business is. Cause like business is getting really good at something, but you added another basically lane to your bridge. Like you, you built a bridge. It was working. You have people now working the bridge for you. So you can relax a little bit more. You're like, how do we make this bridge stronger? How do we make this better? How do we get more cars across this bridge? So you add in a lane. You didn't go and start a, you know, like 
a wooden sunglasses business, no. right? But yeah. but you start to think my my um, open door capital. We're this year where we've been having a lot of investors ask us this question about why aren't we getting into apartments? And we've been to ask ourselves, should we add those on? So this year we're actually going to add on apartments or add another bridge because. Not that we're bored of mobile home parks. I love mobile home parks and we're going to still do them. Um, but I'm like, I want to add another lane to that to be stronger so we can do more deals, get more investors in, start a bigger fund. So like for the exact same reason, it's like, I love that. And I love the challenge of going into something a little bit new. So you yeah. and I are in the And we only did it like once we had our foundation really set. Yeah, exactly. That's the key, right? <laughs> That's the key yeah, is yeah. not building the bridge before you have yeah. the foundation set. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. So it's it's been a... Uh, now that we have something that pays the bills and keeps a yep. successful business, now we can kind of veer off a little bit. But yep. I'm glad it. we waited as long as we did for that. Yeah, that's cool. So, what kind of where are you where are you flipping at? Mo, ma, uh, mainly just King County, okay. around Seattle, uh, Pierce County a little bit too, which is a little more south. But uh, we're trying to stay local just because that's where our relationships are. I lean a lot on uh, people like James Daynard, who's been on this podcast before, yeah, awesome. um, who helps us a lot, and uh, it just makes it. I don't want to veer out too much where we're doing stuff that's we're pulling permits and everything. We do like carpet paint, yeah. appliances, put on the market, uh, in and out kind of stuff. And you're getting all that stuff off market? You getting anything yep. on market? No, I've never done a deal off MLS in my life. Really? Wow. Well, not right. one. Out of the almost 200 transactions I've been a part of, not one of them has been an MLS deal. Wow, that's cool. It's because you got really, really good at doing off market. Yeah. And there's better deals off market if you're willing to put in the work needed to get there. Yeah, you can pretty much write yourself a check because whatever you can negotiate yeah. and put together is yeah, paying yourself. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. All right, David, I know you had a question. Yeah, before we do, I want to highlight your bridge analogy just for the people that are hearing this that are trying to figure out what we mean. Because I don't know if there's a better way of understanding what we're talking about when we're describing building a funnel or a business to run leads through. You have to look at every deal you close and sell like a car or a truck that was carrying goods that got from one location to another. And the more trucks you can get from one place to the other, the more money you can make. When we first start off, we're putting them on this bumpy dirt road. We've never done this before. We suck at it. We're getting halfway there and then we get a flat tire. The shocks break. You didn't put enough gas in. Every mistake you can imagine stops these and you barely get anything across just to be somewhat profitable. And then the more times you do it, the better you get at, at, mm -hmm. at maybe driving or anticipating what route to take them on. At a certain point, you pave that road and cars and the deals can flow very much like with more simply. What Brandon is describing, what you're talking about is once you've got that bridge built that the cars and trucks can travel on, you start adding extra lanes, which are extra components to that business. The wholesale component, the flipping component, the retail sale component, maybe selling some of the services you put together to other people, a property management component. That's what it feels like when you're building a business is you are trying to create an infrastructure that you can move deals up and down. And at a certain point when they can go 65 miles an hour and just poof, shoot right through, you've got this passive business that it then you can stop or, or you can take your bridge skilling built uh, abilities that you learned and go build another bridge somewhere and do another thing, which yeah. is what most entrepreneurs do. So Thank you for, you know, kind of highlighting that that's the same thing that you're doing at, again, 22 years old. What the <laughs> <heck>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All my spinoff businesses have come from not even on purpose. Just, yep. uh, we have this thing. We're using the other things to help that. Yep. Other people need that too. That's, that's exactly cool. right. Yeah. So, so you guys have a cold, cold calling thing, right? The cold calling business? Yeah. So that's exactly how that happened. I, yeah. we, I started that internally because we needed good eight sales guys. We needed a lot of leads. So, and then Buddy was like, hey, can I use that? And then it just kind of, it was a natural thing of this works for us other people need the same thing here you go but it wasn't a purposeful oh i'm gonna go out and start this yeah. really cool gold call center yeah. yeah you you built it out of need out and of you're need. like yep. yeah like i'm gonna now other people are gonna use it great like you leaned into it it's 
It's a very lean startup way to, to yeah. build a business. Those are the best cool. kind. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Same thing I'm trying to do. You just got like a 16 year head start on me, dude. It's very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> All right. So, so my you last. Live longer than me though. So who knows? I don't know about that, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I I damaged my body quite a bit trying to figure out how to do all this stuff that you learned at, you know, going to Brandon's mastermind at 21 years old. Uh, my last question for you is there's clearly something special about you that's different than other people where you discuss this. It's, and a, it's, it's a smile. It's really smile. nice. Yeah, I would agree with that. In your eyes, they're very <laughs> hypnotic. I find myself staring at you, forgetting what I was trying to say. You're, you make it sound so simple to do what we're doing. In fact, you show, maybe I should re-say that, you reveal how simple it is when you get out of the obstacles that talk yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. To close, can you share a little bit about how you develop this mindset, what you do differently than other people so that others that want to follow this path can have a, an easier journey? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is most people operate like out of a model that's 99% information, 1% action. So they're gathering information all the time, but barely taking action on any of that information. So they're not, I don't feel like you accelerate as quick that way. For me, I'm always learning. I'd say I'm more like 70, 30, 70% action, 30% information. So I'm always learning new things, but I'm taking really precise, deep action on everything I learn. So like an example of that was with cold calling. When I first started cold, the cold calling side of my business, all I did was cold calling. I learned about cold calling, implemented what I knew about that, stuck with that for a long time, took extreme action on that instead of learning six different marketing channels and doing 10% on each one. So I think I've taken that and replicated across everything I've done. Um, and I think that's what's allowed me combined with the not really caring if I fail. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I haven't pinpointed where that's come from, to be honest with you. I think a, a sports helped a lot with that, but I don't know exactly where that never thinking about failing came from. Like just it not being a thing to me. A, a lot was probably how I was raised and it was never like, you got to meet this grade. You got to do this. I could have graduated high school and been like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to Africa to be a safari guide for the next 10 years. It would have been awesome. So I think a lot of it came from that, but I haven't nailed that down, but that combined with just going deep and showing up every single day with persistent and consistent action and the pursuit of my potential is like really mm. what it comes down to. Like I want to find out what I can do, what that bar is. That's cool, man. Yeah. I love, I love to hear that. I think that it's, yeah. I think again, if you can, if you can get the mindset of somebody successful and then just do what they're doing, like yeah. you're, it's, it's almost impossible not to achieve that level of success. It's actually given over the long, the long haul. Yeah. You might encounter a, like, Oh, the market crashed or whatever. There's always a, a reason. Maybe somebody holds back temporarily, but long-term like five, 10, 15 years from now, like, I don't understand how anybody that listens to this podcast is not going to be a multimillionaire in the next like five or 10 years. Like everybody, if they just put into action, the stuff, yep. uh, the mindset and the, and the tactics, like it's, it's there for the taking, yep. which is what, motion. yeah, it's so fun about real estate and entrepreneurship and all this It's like, it's just, it's just there. Like, like the, it's, it's not just what you were given. It's like, we can take whatever we want. You can have whatever you want, the kind of life that you want to lead. If you just are willing to put in the work needed to do it. Uh, and like the stuff that we've learned from you today is it doesn't even mean it's like a hundred hours of work. Uh, you know, maybe there's times in your life where you have to yep. really power through. Yeah, yeah. Right. But you like, you, you put people in charge of different things, you scale up and you, you bring people in, you become a good manager and you get the higher dollar per hour skills and do that. I think one of the biggest lies that stops a lot of people that in our culture is, of the you know work 100 hour weeks i don't yeah. think it, you don't have to do that to be successful there's yeah. ways to to put stuff together with other people that it doesn't have to look like that so yeah. yeah yeah and that's where i think like things like performance coaching come in so handy where 
you know, like what uh, Dan Sullivan, you know, like the strategic coach that we had on, like what he said, his like company, like slogan or their mission or their goal is like that you, I think it was double your, triple your revenue with it. And then half the amount of time you work or something like that. Like their goal for everybody that they bring into their company is like, we're going to make you work half as much and you're going to make two or three times more money, like minimum. That's like their baseline. That's a, they just work to again. And it might sound crazy to people listening, but like, I would almost say that's like way undershooting. Like, I feel like if I had a performance coaching business, I'd be like, our goal is to have you work four hours a week. Mm-hmm. Like we believe everybody can work four to 10 hours if they want, if you want to now, you, not what else would we do with our time? So we all work more than four hours, but like, I want every person to be like, to get to that level where they can take a week off, take a month off, go travel to Hawaii for three months because they want to go hang out, go, go to Europe without a cell phone for a month. You know, I, I want people to get to that level. So when they come back or spend time with their kids, it doesn't have to be travel. It could be spend time with kids. When they come back, they can like, do what they love to do and invest in, and be holy in it. So anyway, dude, this has been amazing. We got to wrap this up in a few, but first let's get to today's famous four. All right, let's get to the famous four. Question number one. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week. So I'm sure you know it's uh, coming, but number one, favorite or I like to say favorite. I need to like rephrase this question, but basically favorite real estate investing book or book that's made the biggest impact on your real estate. For me, it's it's, it's the book called Flip by Nick Ruiz. Mm, okay. he's, a, he's a fix the flip guy out of uh, um, Wisconsin. And that was the book I read when I was first getting into wholesaling. It's a really basic level bird's eye view into real estate, but it, it makes it, it made it click in my head, like what I was doing, my path, where, where I could take it. So for me, that was business wise. That's been my, I still reread that book. So it's that's definitely cool. the biggest impact on me. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. All right. Okay. Favorite business related book. Uh, it has to be Traction. I was given, uh-huh. I was given that book. Uh, I was going to ask what you use for your operating system. Yeah, yeah. I was given that book. I have not been that good about following all that stuff, but I was given that book about two years ago and I'm decent at following a lot of it. Like a lot of the, the, the meeting stuff, the, the level 10 stuff, we, we do a lot of that, but I haven't been. I would, I would highly recommend, cause we just did it open our capital is, is bringing a consultant. Like it's not super cheap. Like it's thousands of dollars it's to have a, it, though, but yeah. it's so like, cause like, I feel like we were operating at like. 85% traction, uh, like tractionable. Like we were doing like 85% of the work there and it was fine. Like we were good, but that, that now we're at like 98%. I feel like we're like, and it's that little bit dial. Like I probably cut five hours a week, 10 hours a week out of my own, like, like work just by bringing that consultant because all of a sudden, like it, it just like fine tuning all these little things. And when you're operating at a business that's at a pretty high level, it's, it's so good. So anyway, I'd highly recommend that. Uh, bring in some consultant. So yeah, we need to take it up a notch that. with that stuff. Yeah. We're, get, we're probably at 50% right now. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Which is better than, yeah. I mean, than 99% of businesses out there don't know how to run anything. But it still opened my eyes to yeah. That, yeah. That, that direction. Yeah. Cool, yeah. man. All right. All right. When you're not crushing it at business, what are some of your hobbies? Uh, when I'm not crushing it in business, I'm, I'm skiing <laughs> or I'm playing basketball or I'm working out. I'm on the beach. Uh, I love to travel. So I'm uh, all over the place with that. But during the winter, I'm, you can find me on a mountain. Absolutely, I'm skiing. Summer, I'm on a boat or I'm, uh, I'm playing I'm basketball. I'm on a boat. My, okay. <laughs> um, I want to know, this is the four and a half, three and a half question. If you and David Green here were competing against one another in a game of one-on-one basketball, who wins? Uh, I'm going with me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can dominate? Yeah. David's pretty good. I would say you would probably beat me one on one. I'll just give you that. But if I think we, we put us on a team, we will destroy you. I had a basketball hoop in the backyard. I don't have any more. So me and David against you, who wins that one? Uh, you still, still win. Probably huh? me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't know. I can't. I put a lot of work. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. You. You. You should claim that. Like I like. I like the confidence. That's great. All right. Last question for me. 
what separates successful real estate investors from all those who give up, fail, or never get started? Yeah, I think it, it really comes down to staying in the game long enough for something to shake out. I think if you really want to be in real estate and make it work, and you're showing up every single day with, like we're talking about persistent, consistent action, it is something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. So I think the main thing that separates people, yeah, there's, there's mindsets behind that. There's tangible things you can do. But if you're in the game long enough, whether you're an agent or you're trying to flip or do development or you're doing buy and hold stuff, you, something is going to happen if you're in the game long enough. So I think that is the biggest thing. All right. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Last question of the day. Where can people find out more about you? I'm most active on Instagram. It's at Cole Rude Johnson, R-U-U-D. Um, that's how you spell that, not Rudd. Not <laughs> so yeah, that's how I answer everything on there. I'm not great about Facebook or anything else. So that's that's where I spend most of my, my time. Awesome. Right. What's your uh, what's your side businesses? Give them a plug, like in the cold calling stuff and everything else. Yeah, so we have uh, Call Magic Leads, uh, and I partner with a couple of good buddies on. We are a full service call center for investors and agents. So we provide really good lead flow for that. And that was out of... Um, I took it out of my internal business and we made it something awesome that other people can use. And then besides What's the that, website for that, uh, call Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Submit a form. It's super easy. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. All right. Good deal, man. Thanks. Appreciate it's been, it's, it's awesome. been, it's been amazing. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. We, it's, uh, been a long time coming ever since you were here in Maui last time. I was like, we got to get this guy on the podcast. And I'm glad we did it in Maui. Makes us feel this was much better yeah. doing yeah. it in person. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like doing these in person sea shed. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, David, you want to get us out of here? Thanks, man. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. David Green for Brandon. It's Roof Not Rough. Turner (laughs) signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R, today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.